it was so meant to happen mm. that everything fell into place. But it was a lot of like staying up at in the middle of the night and just having to believe and have faith that it was going to happen and keeping the vision clear. Today's Unreasonable Human proves that being unreasonable does not necessarily mean being loud, brash, or in your face. She has used her love of fashion and the planet to create a brand that honors co-creation and the tenderness that lies in beautiful things. She is the owner and creator of Moona Star Collective, and her name is Monica Zaidman. Hi, Monica. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on my show, Unreasonable Humans. Um, I just wanted to give a little bit of a setting of where we are at the moment because this is not a video, so I'd like to tell people where we are. We're currently sitting at your beautiful store, Moona Star Collective, which is in a gorgeous canyon called Topanga, and we're sitting on a wooden deck that overlooks a beautiful creek that at the moment is flowing because of the beautiful rains we've had. And we are shrouded in magnificent oak trees. And that's just to give you a little bit of an essence of what Moonastar is about. And we'll get into that within the show um, about Moonastar. But I wanted to chat to you first about you. And so, Monica, I'd love to know where were you born and raised? Um, so I was born in Munster, Indiana. Mm. <laughs> um, it's a suburb outside of Chicago. And I was raised all around Chicago. And um, yeah. And then how did you come to L.A.? How did you get here? Well, when I... I was living in Chicago and going to art school yeah. and I had actually lived in Texas before that for a little while Yeah, and I had gotten used to warm weather <laughs> and I went back to Chicago thinking I was going to um, just be happy and I actually realized I just really didn't like the cold mm. and I decided that I was going to leave and I was going to go to New York or San Francisco. And so I applied for scholarships at a bunch of different schools and applied to a bunch of different schools. And I ended up in San Francisco. Oh, that's so cool. And I would like to know something, Monica. So what were you like as a child? I was actually really shy mm -hmm. <laughs> and creative. I was always um, cutting up my own clothes and making Barbie clothes. And I was always like in my own imaginary world with like my best friend. And, um, but yeah, for the most part, I was, I was very adventurous, but, um, I was shy around people. Mm. So you were creative from the beginning. Is that what brought you to, you said you went to art school. Is that what you studied first before you went into fashion? No, I've always known I wanted to do fashion. Mm. Um, from a little, from when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a fashion designer mm. and I would say I'm going to open up unique unique Monique's fashion boutique <laughs> and um and then I got a sewing machine and, and then I would kind of cut up my own clothes and I started thrifting and cutting up you know the clothes that I can find and old tablecloths and things and um 
So then I always knew I was going to go to fashion school, but I wanted to go to an art school as well, you know, that had fashion in it. And so I kind of did a little um, college hopping Mm. until I graduated and then just started doing it. And then what did you, what was your first fashion job? What was your, I mean, my first fashion job was, um, was in the mall at a little, um, at a little girl's retail store. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Clothing store. Yeah. And then, so how did you come to realize Moon is Star? Can you tell me the, just the trajectory from working in the mall (laughs) to then starting this incredible creation of yours? Well, I'm, you know, when I was, once I graduated, I was living in San Francisco and I right away wanted to get a corporate job, like working for, you know, a big fashion company. And so I applied to everywhere, even like places in New York. And I ended up at Betsy Johnson and I, I was doing, you know, I was working there for a few years and opening up stores with them and learning about merchandising and selling and, um, and I just loved the, the community and like the sweetness of the company mm. and the creativity that Betsy Johnson brought to the company was, was like just truly authentic. And everybody who worked there felt like they were a part of something. Mm. And I just always loved that feeling. And after I left there, I went to, I like, I worked at Zara as a visual merchandiser going around and opening up stores when they first came to the the States. And they were like the opposite of Betsy Johnson. They had this culture that was very cold and um, it was all about fast fashion. It was Mm. like this, it's like fast, 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 fast. And you had to merchandise fast. You had to do everything, like just everything was fast. Mm. And I knew that that didn't feel sustainable. Like mm. everybody there was like unhappy and not to say that I don't want to rat on anybody, but mm. it didn't feel sustainable. Mm. And when I went there, when I left there, I ended up at Levi's and I was at their corporate office for a little while. And they were just like the sweetest company, like just so sweet and so real and so like just good people, everybody mm. that I worked with. And at one point we were working on a project with, um, for an organic cotton, um, style of jeans mm. and they've been working on it and working and what working on it. And there are all these samples and, and we were all really, really excited about it. And then we brought it to market. And none of the buyers from any of the big department stores bought it. And it was, they were just going to drop it. And Uh, it was like all this work went into making this dent, like this perfectly organic cotton denim jean. And the merchandisers were, I mean, the buyers from other um, companies, they were just like, nobody's going to buy this, especially at this price. And they were just concerned with the price. Mm. And that was just super disheartening to me because I saw all the work that went into it and all like the thought of like, we need to create something different from better for the environment. Mm. And they were actually doing the work. Yeah. And it just, it didn't translate to the mainstream world. Mm. And on top of that, it's like, I got to see like all the samples that are being made from like 
you know, you just get, you see how much goes into making each product. Yeah. Like, and like just so much goes and there's so much waste. Mm. I mean, a lot of it is donated, but it's a lot of it is just, it's wasted. And I, so just seeing all of this and working with these bigger companies. And then I moved to New York and I worked with the companies there and it was just like, it was always about fast fashion and not really treating people how they really needed to be treated yeah like the fashion just, industry has that yeah it was has just, that reputation yes yeah and I just never felt like oh this doesn't feel good and finally I was I got I was in New York and I was working at another corporate job not happy and it ended up being more in front of a computer than it was actually designing mm. and I decided <laughs> it was like I'm, I'm like I'm gonna just look for another job with a nonprofit. And I ended up getting a job with a, um, a nonprofit mm. and she was, it was just one woman and she was working with, um, an organization in Ghana yeah. and she wanted to start a project for the women doing some sort of sewing project. So basically I, I ended up working with these group of, I went to Ghana and I got to work with these, the, this group of women and help them create a line of, um, clothing that they could sell and repeat because in, in mostly in, in the, in this region in Ghana, like they just make clothes. Um, they don't make a pattern. They just like make custom clothes. So like to repeat something, to have a pattern, to make the same thing Mm. over and over and then have basic sizes is like not necessarily what they did there. Mm. So like tourists would come there and they couldn't just buy something off the rack because it would have to be custom made. So I taught them how to like make a basic pattern and do like that and how to create a little swatch book of colors of like different batiks that they can make and show the customers what they can do to like choose from things. Yeah. Um, and then, and then also that they knew to how to go back to. And so it was like, it was just like most fulfilling project that I could possibly do. And I, I, um, when we, you know, we came back and we tried to, sell their product. Like we made a bunch of products and we started selling some of their products and that money actually was so useful to them. You know, they were buying oil for the, you know, their food and big giant bags of rice and like that. It was actually really helping. And, um, the same nonprofit, we, we ended up, I ended up working with them to help raise money for, um, for an orphanage to build an orphanage and we made these little baby blankets where the kids put their like um handprints on and Mm. um it was just special and it was doing something and giving back and once I finished that project I knew I didn't want to just do be in the fashion world I knew that it had to have a bigger purpose yeah and so that was kind of how I when I when I came back from Ghana and I was looking for another job and I was still working on the nonprofit, but it wasn't paying the bills. I just started making my own clothes. And, um, I mean, I already was making my own clothes a lot and selling them, Mm. but then I just dove into actually doing that more. Mm. And then I tried, then I went to Mexico and I tried to work with artisans there to help support the artisans there. And, um, and I was doing that up until I had my daughter, Saluna. Yeah. And, um, and then everything changed because I couldn't go traveling as much. And so I had to be a mama and be here mm. in Topanga. Yeah. Um, and so then I started just 
creating my stuff downtown LA because I thought I couldn't sew it all anymore either because I had a baby. Yeah. And, um, I, after that started, that's when I started my clothing line now, which is Moon of Star. And, um, yeah. That's amazing. And so, okay. So you start this, your clothing range, you have your baby and then was it that you found did this um, where we are, the store where we are right now, did this just come to rent and you sort of saw it and said, well, what, what happened? How did you actually get a brick and mortar store from, you know, you're, you're making your clothing and then how did it turn into this? Well, I knew I wanted a store. Yeah. And I was always kind of like looking at locations and kind of just keeping my eyes open. And when I moved to Zupanga, I kind of fell in love with this location and it was a vintage store, a really beautiful vintage store. And, um, I would just come in here and just like, Oh, this is the best location in Zimpanga. It's so beautiful. It's like, <laughs> it was just a magical place. Yeah. And, um, they were, they, they, their hours were very different. They weren't always open. So I, I would always drive past and he'd like, I am like, I want to help them. I want to go in there and I want to, I want to be open. I, I should work for them. And I actually even wrote them a letter oh. and I was just like, Hey, can I help, you know, can I help you out in exchange for just having a rack in your store? I'll, you know, I'll work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then one day I, um, I got a call from a friend and she goes, the location you want is, is, uh, is, you know, coming available or something. And I'm really good friends of Annie next door at Pebbles. Yeah. And I went into Annie's and I, she's like, you have to get it. You have to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got the number to the landlord and I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And there are a lot of people who wanted it. Oh, it's a prime location. Yeah. So the fact that we got it, it was unbelievable because I was, you know, there, there were a lot of people who wanted it and, but I had, you know, I guess I just stayed in the faith and then I visualized it and yeah. had been visualizing it since I was a little girl. Oh, you had you to be visualizing a store. <laughs> Is that what you'd always yes. wanted? Your own range and store? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's beautiful because it really does feel like Moonstar is a vision realized. It really feels like that. I need to explain Moonstar, the store, because it's just so beautiful. So it, Inside the store, there is the most beautifully curated selection of goods from slow fashion to vintage goods to handcrafted items. It is so beautiful. And I'm going to put a a link to your website or to your Instagram page so that people can actually go and see Moonastar. But I wanted to know a few things. I've now I've got questions about Moonstar. <laughs> so you started, you opened the doors. And, you know, I remember when you first opened the doors to Moonstar. I think the whole community knew that, that something special was happening because there was just, it was just so perfect. Like it, you arrived and here opens this beautiful store called Moonstar that the community had longed for but didn't realize that they had been longing for. Was it easy to get it off the ground or how, like, what was the first bit like? Because, you know, for anybody who has dreams of starting their own business and getting into fashion and doing their own thing, can you explain how it was, what you needed to do to get to where you are now? Um, no, it was, it was, 
really hard. I, I had no idea how it, once I got the place, I had no idea where the money was going to come to put it all together. <laughs> I had no clue. I was like, sign the lease and we have no money. <laughs> I was like, I had no, no idea. And so, I mean, yeah. So I basically put out a letter to all of my friends and family and just poured my heart into just saying, you know, will you help support me? And mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I was also like making dresses and trying to sell them anywhere I possibly could. And um, so I got a lot of support from friends and family and angels that just appeared when I needed, you know, an extra thousand dollars to fix the bathroom or an extra thousand dollars. Like it was, it was, it was so meant to happen Mm. that everything fell into place, but it was a lot of like staying up at in the middle of the night and just having to believe and have faith that it was going to happen and keeping the vision clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've definitely kept the vision clear. That's one thing. Munostar has a very specific magic to it. And I think so it's interesting that, you know, you, you were vulnerable and you opened up and you, you asked people for help and by just putting it out there and just like saying, this is my dream. This is my passion project. Please, will you help me? It just happened. And then it just cultivated and cultivated and grew and grew. And that's what I've really seen with Muna Star. It's not only a goods store anymore. It's not just a store. Muna Star has become a community and you've created this beautiful community by being so open to inviting others. Like what I see is that you've got this Muna Star collective. So all the beautiful artisans who, who provide their goods for your store have built such a beautiful relationship with Moonastar. And from there, you've now grown into doing gorgeous events out on this beautiful wooden deck. And it's it's just such a place of community now. And so I just want to ask you, is that like part of who you are? Do you think it, do you think that it was something about your personality? Or do you think this was just an organic evolution of Moonastar? What do you think it is? I, I think that it was part of my vision. I feel like I imagined this space being for the community. It never felt like it was just for me. Like it, even the store itself, I didn't want to just start a store. Here's my line. Here's my clothes. It felt like I wanted to invite other makers and creatives to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of Topanga is it's, you know, we have a lifestyle here. It's about wellness. It's about creativity. It's, it's about nature. Mm. And so I feel like having all of that in, you know, part of Luna Star and in making sure that's a deep part of it is, you know, has kind of been the vision and the community aspect is beyond what I ever imagined it to mm. be because it has opened up to so many people who get to share here and who, you know, some people come and they just don't want to leave. And I love that. Like, I'm always like, no, you can stay here. (laughs) If you want to sit on the patio and enjoy it, please stay. Um, So, yeah, I feel that it it feels, I feel so grateful that it it has become that. Yeah. And I also love that, you know, like you say, when you were young, you were shy and, you know, for, I think that many people feel that unreasonable humans, like the thought unreasonable human is somebody who's loud and brash and like pushes their way through things and like is stubborn and 
And yes, many unreasonable humans are like that. And that's how they do magical things. But you've just done it in such a different way. You've done it with so much tender, loving care. And you are very unreasonable because you had this vision, but you didn't, you did it in a different way. You literally just kept this vision close to your heart and then you opened yourself up and you didn't need to be this outspoken extroverted person all you needed to do was open your heart mm-hmm. and that's what you did and then from that people saw that and and they gathered <laughs> they just come in and maybe that's what they sense in you is that and and the people that you attract have got so much heart. I mean, I look at the people who work at the store, the people who do these beautiful workshops and evenings and all these things that happen at the store all have so much heart. Mm-hmm. So it really intrigues me. I, I find I find that a lovely way to to realize that, you know, because I'm, I'm also quite shy and I think I've realized in life if you do it with your heart, you don't have to worry about the confidence. Just do it with your heart mm-hmm. and... And then confidence is not even a factor in it because mm-hmm. you're just doing it from from a different place. Yes. You know? Yes. So, Monica, I'd like to talk to you about slow fashion and natural fashion. I mean, you've been in all these different aspects. You've been in corporate fashion. You've been now, you've been doing this. I wanted to first of all ask you, what made you want to create a store and create a place where the fashion is either vintage or organic or slow fashion from being in the corporate fashion industry what was it that you saw that made you want to be like this I think the reason I started um I wanted Luna Star to be a conscious company is because I believe it's important I believe that we you know making the right choices when creating or choosing what you're going to wear is important. And I feel like it's not something people can necessarily, or maybe this is from my experience, people can be educated on, but if you put it in front of them and give them that option, then they'll feel the vibration of the goodness and the love that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like now that fast fashion is so out there and in people's faces, Um, it's important to kind of backpedal and actually really think about what we're putting on our bodies and just the way we think about what we're putting into our bodies and what we're doing to, you know, mother earth. Like we're, we're, when you have synthetic fabrics next to natural fabrics, these synthetic fabrics are, they don't, they don't recycle. They don't, they're, they they're disintegrating and the plastics and stuff are just going into our environment. When you have um, natural fabrics, at least there's a natural life cycle. And, um, you know, it's like you put that on your body. And I, I feel like I can experience the different energy and clothing. And once you experience it, it's a, it's hard to go back. Like Mm -hmm. you feel the goodness that goes into something that's being made rather than the, the 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 quick and the fast and the fast and it's not it's not necessary and you know we can make things with our hands and um, use natural fabrics and we can use natural dyes and and do what our ancestors 
you know, did and do something that is, is more sustainable and feels good and will last longer. Um, I also think that it's, it's important to just know that clothing is, it's like, it's supposed to make you feel good and not just for a few months, somebody actually made it and people should be paid properly for what they do. And, and not be on, you know, working a zillion hours because just like we want to live a healthy life, you know, everybody deserves to live a healthy life. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, I'd love to talk about natural dying, you know, because um, I'm sure there's many people still who don't realize the difference. So what exactly is natural dying? Um, natural dying is dying with flowers and plants and barks, like barks and woods and mm. acorns and, you know, um, walnuts and different, um, you can even die with, die with some of your food, mm. um, waste. And it's, it's a, it's a co-creation with nature, right? Mm. Like to say. Mm. <laughs> and what is the, like, what is the problem with normal dyes? I mean, for people who don't really understand why we shouldn't use normal dyes or it's not great. <laughs> um, it's just not good. It's not great for the environment, the way like where all the chemicals and that go into um, regular dyes, they are, they, they go on your body, they go into the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of the same with, with food. It's like you either have food that has, bad ingredients or you have food that has good ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to stay with more of a cleaner, mm-hmm. you know, cleaner clothes, cleaner food, you know, it's better for you and the environment. Oh, I love that. And I think that a lot of people don't actually realize that connection. Mm-hmm. You know, we started with the food many, like years ago, people started realizing that, you know, we have to eat cleaner foods mm-hmm. after the seventies and MSG um, and then it went into skincare products and that wasn't even that long ago. Cause mm-hmm. I remember about 16 years ago buying that book skin deep and throwing away all of my, all of my products <laughs> because nothing, I couldn't use anything anymore. So I remember even then struggling to find, I don't know if it was different in America, but in South Africa, it was hard to find mm-hmm. natural products. Um, and now I think people are realizing that yeah, what we have on us, our skin is a living organism. Mm-hmm. And yet we're putting on these, these garments that first of all, don't allow us to breathe ever. Mm-hmm. And that are not good. They've got like microplastics in them. They've got these toxic dyes to them. And it's, it's, I, I don't know. I'd love to know if there's been scientific studies with that when it comes to like what actually happens with the rub off of the dyes on, on some people's you know yeah it'd be interesting to look yeah. into that and see what 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 the scientific studies are there definitely are a lot of them I can't speak to those exactly like which ones and all of that mm. but I can tell you something from a personal experience here in the store mm. um when I first started when I first opened up the store I was still dying my clothes downtown in um but we were using low impact dyes, but low impact dyes still are not necessarily good for the environment either. Mm. Um, but I would, you know, I would, I would have those. And then I started doing natural dyeing and it was so crazy because it was like, I would have this beautiful piece that was dyed downtown in like this perfect shades. 
And then I would have this one that was like my messy, plant, like new to plant dyeing mm. world. And it was like, everybody was automatically drawn to the plant dye pieces. Huh. And I would even sometimes have the same style. One plant dyed, one dyed in, you know, dyed downtown. Yeah. And it was always the, the one that I dyed that everybody was drawn to. Huh. It was like an energetic thing. Mm. And I feel like sometimes I'll go into a store now and I know if something has been plant dyed or not dyed. I'm sure you must. And I could just feel it. Yeah. And most of the time I'm, I'm right. Mm. And I think everything has energy. And I think that there's something about working with nature and not working with synthetics and, and mm. all these other man-made chemicals mm. that makes it better for like just better for you yeah you know that what you said the co-creation with nature it's such a beautiful line I absolutely love that and it is so true that that when you feel like you that nature is having a part to play in what you are creating it makes it so much more profound and so much more sacred mm-hmm. and the pieces that you create I mean I'd love to talk about your plant the flower printing the fresh flower printing I think it is so beautiful. <laughs> so I'm going to just explain to listeners, Monica, her, her collective, Moonastar, they have some items that have been printed, like pressed. They take actual flowers, beautiful flowers, and they there's a process that we're going to talk about because Monica's going to explain it, and they print fresh flowers onto the garments. So can you explain this process? It's, I love it. Yes. Um, so it's either bundle dyeing or eco printing. And it's just a process that you, you take the flowers and you put them on the garment and you, you steam them. Like then you, you roll them up, mm. like you place them, then you roll them and then you put them into a pot and then you steam it mm. and it steams the imprint of the flower in there. And depending like on how you treat the fabric or whatever it comes out. Sometimes the flower prints come out very clear and sometimes they come out abstract and sometimes they come out both. So it's, and it's really, you never know exactly how it's going to turn out, which is why I love it so much because it truly is a co-creation with nature because you're, you're really like, you're like, okay, you know, they're, the plants are doing their thing and you're doing your thing, but yeah. Yeah. And it's a form of art. You yes. know, every, every item is completely unique, which is so beautiful. Exactly. And no two items are ever going to be ever the, the same. same. Ever the same. Oh, it's so beautiful. I love that. Um, how would you like to see the fashion industry change in the future? I would love to see the fashion industry change more to slow fashion and um, buying less and better quality and natural fat natural fabrics Mm. it's funny it feels like it's almost like the world is going in a circle because i i have like one of my dad's pierre cardin jumpers Mm -hmm. like this woolen knitted jumper he had it when i think i think it must be about 40 years old now 45 years old Mm -hmm. and it is still absolutely perfect the only thing that's different that needs to be replaced is that there was two little insets of a suede like a gray suede but (laughs) the actual wool Mm -hmm. is absolutely perfect Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. um so we knew this back in the day this is what we knew and then suddenly industrialism happened 
and we we like I don't know maybe it's 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 the industrial revolution that just started to convince people that they needed more like mm-hmm. just you need more and I actually heard something about that the other day that's um I think I was it was in my podcast or something somebody was talking about how after the war these people came back these men came back and life came back to normal and suddenly there was this influx of industry and people were able to to work in the factories and suddenly people could afford to buy all the things that they couldn't mm-hmm. buy when they were away during the war and it's this that whole american dream mm-hmm. uh, mentality has just stuck yeah and people have forgotten that you, it's a, you don't need more to be happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, quality is well. Also, the quality of things has gone down, but the price and the price has gone down. Yeah. So people feel like they can afford more. Yeah, but, but they don't so, know realize the price they're paying is actually in the long run. In the long run, yeah, because those clothes don't last, and yeah. then they're going to end up having to buy new ones, and then the whole cycle is just—it's just not. And the, and the truth is, is that I, I do like, I think every, I think people think that when they think of sustainable fashion or, uh, or even my clothes, sometimes they're like, people are like, that's so expensive. Mm. Um, and I think people won't realize they can still buy, like they do, maybe they don't buy like 10 of my dresses or three yeah. of my dresses, but they buy one and that one dress was going to last them for a long time. And it's going to feel so good on their body. And they're going to feel, you know, it has a vibration with it. It, it's like, it's good, but you can also mix it with vintage clothing, which there's so much vintage and beautiful vintage out there mm. that is, that is affordable and can be mixed with something that's a little more expensive. And yeah. the price, then a lot of vintage clothing is just made so much better than things that are made in the fashion industry mm. and that will last in the closet rather than be discarded. Yeah. And I guess there's also a place for thrift stores, you know, if you can't afford, you know, because I think that's the thing. Many people think, well, I can't afford to buy, you know, vintage and I can't afford to buy these handcrafted goods. But it's it's also, it is attainable, like you say. You can have one dress that you save up for and, and it makes it so much more special when you've saved up for a really beautiful piece. Mm-hmm. You're going to take so much more care of that piece and you're going to, every time you use it, you're going to feel like a queen because you're wearing something that you know has taken long to make it's been it's been made with so much love Mm -hmm. and it's going to last for a very long time right yes but um yeah I I guess with thrifting you still it's not the natural fabric it's you know you you'll you'll find clothing that's that's not that's still synthetic and that but I mean, what is your what is your opinion on that? I, I guess what I would, wanted to ask you is, and you answered my question mostly. Um, you know, for people who don't really know where to start when it comes to slow fashion, you've already listed some ideas. Um, what other ideas do you have? You know, what is your your opinion when it comes to thrift stores? And you know, like the likes of uh, the Salvation Army and all of those places where people just come and donate their clothes. What what is your opinion on that? Well, I love them. <laughs> For me, it's like a treasure hunt. So I'm like, what can I find in this in this this big treasure box? It's yeah. like there's something to be found. The needle in the haystack, and 
not everybody likes going on that search. So now there's like so many more beautiful, like great curated vintage shops online. There's like that do all the searching for you. We do, you know, we do the searching for you. We have, I try to find only natural, you know, fibers spring into the store. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like it's you, that one piece really does feel like a treasure. And like it when does. you walk out of here or you walk out of a thrift store and you found that one piece, you feel so good rather than going to the mall and having, you know, 10 things on the rack that are all the same and knowing that like, you know, that's, you're not that special because yeah. there's like 10, you know, 10,000 of these made. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure you, you know, everybody has their own take on things, but it looks beautiful, but I don't know. I, for me, I feel like that is the way to shop is like having, you know, finding the treasures. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I always used to have, um, I studied fashion design many years ago and, and I had like the same thing. I had just an issue with the industry in general and I ended up going into fashion PR briefly and then leaving the industry completely. But the thing with fashion is I love clothing. I've always loved clothing, but I hate malls. I hate them so much. I get so overwhelmed. I think they're too big. I think there's too much select. It just, they're just too much for me. So thrifting and secondhand shopping and going to find like um, auctions, you know, those like not auctions where they're selling like um, at the houses. What do you call Um, it? When estate estate sales. sales. I love going to places (laughs) like that. And, and I, I really do feel it's exactly how you feel. You are you are hunting for a treasure. And when you find that one, you're the only person who's gonna have it. Yes. And even at thrift stores, I find what what tends to happen in so what tends to happen for me in a in a mall is that everything is targeted at making you want to buy things. Mm-hmm. So it tells you what you want to buy. You want that because that's what's in the season. You want that or it's and, on sale. Or it's on sale. And then you go to thrift stores and you go to secondhand stores and there's nobody telling you what you want. You are telling you what you want. So you end up getting what you really like so true. and not relying on what somebody else is telling you as a trend. And in that way, you create your own style. Exactly. And the sizing. I find what's interesting is that at a thrift store, if you're in a mall, You'll go immediately to like what you think your size is. And then if it doesn't fit, you feel bad about yourself. And then, but in a thrift store, you're going to find the thing you like and go, oh, I'm going to see if I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work. (laughs) And you put it on and it sits differently and you're like, oh, this is amazing. But you would never have gone for that size in a a normal store. That is so true. I didn't even think about that, but you were so right. Yeah, it's like, it's so fun. Size doesn't matter in vintage. No, it doesn't. And I love that about it. And you're like, I'm going to make it. I'm going (laughs) to make it work. I'm going to make it fit. I love it. Um, And I love flea markets too. I love going to flea markets. markets. Yeah, so there's so many options for people. They don't have to buy, you know, there's just so many options to not buy new. Mm -hmm. I went Mm -hmm. through a year where I... And actually, it was the year that started me basically never buying. I still buy new, but not as, like I think probably eighty percent of my wardrobe now is not bought new, because I took a year where I said I'm not going to buy anything new for a year. I wanted to see how it was going to go, and that's when I found that was many years ago. I don't know, it's also like fifteen years ago, where I just discovered this new world mm-hmm. of secondhand 
shopping and it was just the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So we are urging you to please do that, whoever's listening. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So Monica, you to me are such a lovely example of softness, of beauty, and of grace. And I feel like there should be more space for people like you in this world. How do you hope the generations to follow will make sure to do that? First of all, thank you. That is like <laughs> one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. <laughs> um, well, I think slowing down is definitely key. And um, you know, spending time in nature and connecting to your, you know, your highest purpose, your the spirit, whatever you like to call them. But um, I think that truly listening to one's sole purpose in life is the most important. And finding time to listen is, is you know, the best way for any of us to go forward. You know, every day I'm still, I, that's, that's my, my mantra every day is to slow down and connect. And, um, and when I do, it's, it's like more and more beauty gets to come through. So. Mm. And I love that that's actually how, I mean, that's what Muna Star is. Everything is slowed down. So the way that you create the clothes, the way that you curate all of these things, all the artisans that if nobody rushes here, there is no rush. which is beautiful why should there be a rush why no reason at all exactly and I feel I always I I look at like corporate companies and I see these poor creatives in like in these corporate companies who have got no time to find their creativity and are expected to churn out so much creative work on a daily basis and I just think Imagine what would happen if you just allowed them to take time mm-hmm. to just, as you say, connect, just to find that connection with whatever is going to make them more creative. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Actually, yesterday I was teaching a yoga class and in the meditation, <laughs> we did a meditation and then straight after that we went into to Shavasana <laughs> and one of the girls who was at the class just got up and she came to me and she said, I have to go, I have to go. <laughs> Okay. She said, no, I just, I've got, I'm inspired. So she, and then then she happened to come back later and I said, what happened? And she said, I'm so sorry, but I had to go. I just, I'm a writer and I had this sitting in meditation. I just had this, this, like a download. (laughs) And I said, so no, I'm like, that's amazing. I'm so glad you had that. And it is, it's just, you have to take a moment to start. Mm-hmm. You have to take a moment and, you know, when you do that, then suddenly then suddenly, there's more grace and more beauty and more creativity and, you know, it all goes hand in hand, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, Monica, what else would you like to see happen in this world of Moon Star? Or do you, are you happy with what it is right now or <laughs> have you got more, more, more in your, in your vision? That's funny you say that because I have actually thought about that question a lot this year. Um, Mm. The idea of like growing or being okay with where I am and 
to be honest, I would love to share it with more and more people because I feel like more and more people should be able to feel this and have, you know, tap into the energy here and tap into all of the amazing goods and, you know, creations that everybody and all the makers make here. Um, so uh, my, my goal is to grow more of our online presence and, and working on that. And we even started a TikTok. <laughs> You started on TikTok. <laughs> Which was one of those things where I was completely against. A hundred percent. I will never. And what you know, when sometimes when you get in situations, you just start opening up. And I just said I was gonna start saying yes to everything, even this podcast. Yes. You. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, and you know, I have to say we have been having so much fun. Like <laughs> even though I haven't like really posted much, but the girls here have been posting and it's just hilarious. And I think in some ways it's a platform where people can be truly authentic and their silly selves. And, um, and I look forward to being able to, uh, you know, allow people or open up our space. So more and more people can feel the good energy here, not just through beautiful pictures, but through, you know, lives and the videos and things like that. Well, I love what you're doing here. And I think that Muna Star Collective is just a beautiful example of how when things are done with such heart and they're done with so much love, then the most beautiful things happen, you know, because that's how life is. It unfolds when you do the things that you genuinely love. So if this is a lesson to anybody, just stop doing the things that you don't love. Do the things that you love and everything else follows, you know. Um, So I would like to finish the conversation there because I think this has been so wonderful and I think I feel like we've we've touched on everything that I've wanted to ask you. Um, I do want to ask you, though, my final unreasonable questions. (laughs) (laughs) So, Monica, what is your description of love? Um. My description of love is, is our own life force that guides us. Mm. And that's why it's important to live in love. You know, do what you love and create mm. what you love and surround yourself with all the things you love and lean into it. Yes. Yes. Live in love. I think that's a beautiful thing for people to do. Every morning, wake up. When you're having your morning tea or coffee or whatever it is, take a moment to think, what am I going to do that I love today? Mm-hmm. Makes such a difference. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. And my second question, hmm, in what ways do you show your strength? I think I show my strength by not like owning up to my stuff Hmm. and not letting my ego always drive me. I think that, um, you know, like in say in my community of work, I'm always open to, to what the other girls have, like what their vision is. And I think that allowing them to have that freedom of being who they are, um, empowers them. It, it feels good for everyone. Yeah. I also think perseverance. I, my strength definitely 
I'm, I'm nonstop. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah, you stick to your vision, right? Yeah. Yeah. Persevere and even in the hard times and try to stay continuously optimistic. <laughs> mm, that's a big one. My final question, Monica, is what is your definition of an unreasonable human? I was thinking about that today. <laughs> I mean, I think it's somebody who beats to their own drum, you know, follows their own, their own path. Hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've loved this conversation. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's such a pleasure. It's been a real honor. And um, I can't wait for people to see all the things that you're doing. I'll give them your TikTok handle. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so get creating, girl. <laughs> but, yes, I will share the TikTok, the Instagram, whatever, your yeah, website, yeah, yeah. and also your online portal because I'm sure many people are going to want to see where they can get a hold of all these things. And I just want people to also know that Monica, when she curates, she, like, will drive around the country and find some of the most unique, like beautiful vintage goods and most incredible artisans. So everything that Monica has created is just from, with so much thought and attention and you've got to just take a look at Munistar and see what they're doing. It's very inspiring. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, that's it for today's episode of Unreasonable Humans. Thanks so much for joining me. Please follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember that a great rating goes a very long way to support the show. Until the next one. Bye.